This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Dan, what's up? Jack, not much. You sound kind of funky today. Yeah, I uh, got my first ever sinus infection this last weekend. It was, those suck. They're brutal. Yeah, I understand you get them pretty often. I've, I I used to get them like once a year and they take they take forever to actually finally clear out and go away. Oh, they're miserable. I don't feel, I feel for you right now. I really do. Well, anyway, you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast. Uh, I'm Jack Pelzer. I'm Dan Hodgman. And uh, I'm fighting through this a little bit, but uh, for a righteous segue, we're also fighting through this coronavirus. I was, I was just still. about to go. At least it's not coronavirus you're fighting through. Yeah. Well, I was going to get there with that. <laughs> so uh, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. And so uh, Monday and Tuesday, we had some real spectacular down days, both with uh, the old dead cat bounce. I think uh, on Monday after hours... Maybe came back, you know, 30, 40 points in S&P. It did the same for a longer period today. But then I think the news that moved it was that they have 83 people quarantined in Nassau County, which I believe is in New York somewhere, like Long Island. Sure. Yeah. Sure. We'll so not, I, I was thinking like Nassau. I was thinking you know, California, <laughs> Florida. I was thinking somewhere tropical. New York sounds good. I think what matters less is the state and more that it's in the collective United States. Absolutely. Well, we saw Dow was down 1,000 points Monday, 1,000 points Tuesday, showed some life here today, actually was up 450 points at their high. Um, so even with the new coronavirus news coming out, I think we're starting to see um, traders a little bit more comfortable hitting that buy button um, as opposed to the last few days. It's been quick to hit the sell button just for perspective so people recognize how intense these things are right now. The flight to quality that um, when the fear sets in, we're seeing people flocking to treasuries. I just want to give an example. Right now, treasuries are in the middle of the roll. Take the 10-year note. That's one of the biggest, largest, most popularly traded products in the world when it comes to the CME Futures products. And they see about a million, million and a half contracts traded per day. The front month today was at 2 million contracts before, right after the open, and the back month was at 1.2 million contracts. Um, we're, we're seeing yesterday, I believe it did close to 8 million contracts between the spread um, and the front and back month there, so a lot of volume out there. That is a lot of notional value, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's just the, the big story all over, and this is tough because on one hand, We've only pulled back about 8% off the all-time highs. I think I saw somewhere since the uh, market began rebounding, uh, March of 2011, was that when it hit its low? Yes. Let's it's go one of that. the, you know, if I'm off a year, whatever it may be. <laughs> but since then, there have been 26 times the market has pulled back more than 5%. And I saw a list somewhere where they had a list of the pullbacks and what the concerns were at the time. And on one hand, the person who posted was making the point that, you know, these things happen and they all seem like the end of the world or something really bad at the time. And then they bounce back mm -hmm. by the dip. That's been something that's been really easy to do. Um, if you stuck to that, you've been doing great for the last 10 years. 
But there is something about this that's a little bit different. Um, there have always been, you know, some soft spots in the economy. And as far as valuations go, you know, we've known for a while, the, by those measures, this market is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And now we have something that really could disrupt everything as far as supply chains. And those aren't things you can fix with just an interest rate cut or things like that. I couldn't agree more. That Those are the things that we need to be keeping in the front of our mind. Um, absolutely. Chances are, if we continue to see these markets struggle come the next time the Fed's discussing interest rates, absolutely. There's going to be a ton of pressure on them to cut those rates. But the bigger question, like you said, supply chains, that stuff's cut off. Um, we knew we had a rough year last year when it came to U.S. agriculture products. And with phase one of the Chinese, the U.S.-China deal, hey, things were looking up for them. We're doing pretty good there. This then puts another halt on them. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot happening. The one thing I will sit here and say, though, I'm still not against buying. I'm going to be outright in saying that long term, not within a day trading standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watched our coach's playbook here today, if not, I was go just going to plug that. Go go check out our YouTube page um, and check out our coach's playbook. We I kind of ran in ran around some of the big metrics of kind of comparisons. We want to go back to 87, and that, that's the one I'll use really quick. Uh, 87, Dow was down 508 points at the lows, 23% on uh, October 19th. Uh, we all have heard about that day. So for perspective, let's take the Dow to go down 23%. We'd have to be down approximately 7,500 points in the Dow from our highs and yeah, that's a doozy. That would set fear. That would freak me out. Oh yeah, I would be uh, <laughs> perturbed if I saw the Dow down seven thousand points. Right. That would that would throw us all into a tizzy. So you know, those are the things that I'm are kind of keeping me positive about where we're at within these markets. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think we talked about this yesterday too. Um, in my long term accounts, I'm much more comfortable getting long because I'm not leveraged there. I have some cash on the sideline because I'm the permanent bear in some ways. <laughs> so as this drops, I don't mind putting some in and going to that. Now, if I was trading a futures account for short-term things, you know, here's some actionable advice. If you're just fading this from the buy side, you're a goddamn lunatic. You probably you probably lost your account by now. Yeah, you you probably already blown out your account, but on moves like this where there's, you know, real information is coming out and truthfully Unless you're in the CDC or something, in which case you're breaking the law by trading, (laughs) you don't have better information likely than anyone else and no one knows what's coming next. So you are 100% just gambling. Like you can't just look at technical levels from before this or fundamentals as if this doesn't exist. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think what's, what's pretty awesome Going into the podcast, the person we're talking to today, uh, Emery Band, she's going to be talking and going through a trading combine while this is all happening and showing that you, if you manage your risk and how things go, you can do pretty well. It's all about managing your risk in these. Forget what you – your biases. Check the ego at the door. Forget about that stuff. I was, I've always been told trading is about, isn't about winning and losing. Trading's about making money. Forget if you want to win. If you're out here just to win every time, you're going to lose. Yeah. And just for the record, um, Anne-Marie is a trading educator at thetradingbook.com, which she runs. 
She's an author. She's been doing this for two decades. Great friend of Top Step. Just an amazing resource for traders. And probably one of the nicest human beings. Really one of the nicest people that I've ever met. I would would 100% agree. Yeah, Anne-Marie, just uh, one of the nicest people you could ask for. And uh, just one last thing before we go back there about the uh, coronavirus stuff. Yeah. Many of our traders, you know, are trading equities. The VIX has more than doubled. More than doubled. Since the beginning of the month. So that's, you know, more than twice the volatility. You got to adjust your size based on that. Oh, here's the deal. Um, I just kind of, a little bit ago, I gave some metrics on percentages and how this compares. 1987, down 508 points. These guys were trading some size. They got demolished. People lost everything in that time. Some people knocked it out of the park for sure, but a lot of people got totally worked over um, and had to go start new careers. To see the Dow down 1,000, 1,025, down 2,000 in two days. Keep those things in perspective. Um, These aren't standard trading. Yeah, and even if the percentages are different, uh, a tick in the E-mini is still, still the same. <laughs> so if you, you lose 50 ticks, it doesn't matter if it was in... It just makes it easier to lose money. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys out there are navigating this well. Hopefully you're staying healthy and wealthy, so to speak. That's Absolutely. my rhyme. I like that. That was a good one. Well, anyway, um, I'm sure we'll be talking about this for the next couple of weeks. For once in a long while, we're not talking about all-time highs. All so right. I guess that's if, new. For if this is coronavirus, CDC's hoping um, there it starts to stall when summer weather comes around. Yeah. So we may be thinking about this for Fingers a while. Fingers crossed. All it took was a pandemic. <laughs> 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 so anyway, on that happy note, uh, we'll talk to... A much more jovial individual. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy today's Limit Up interview with Ms. Anne-Marie Band. We'll see you after the break. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined per usual by... Dan Hodgman. Dan Hodgman. And today we are joined by the incomparable, the Renaissance woman herself, the president and CEO of The Trading Book, noted author, great friend of Top Step, uh, Ms. Anne-Marie Band. Hello, Anne-Marie. Welcome back. Hello. It's great to be back. Excited to have you here. Yeah. Yeah, it's my understanding that you've been on the podcast a few times uh, quite a while ago. I listened to one of them today. It was awesome. And I hope that we can compare to that today. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, so we brought Anne-Marie in today for a couple reasons. A, she does amazing things as far as helping traders succeed through her um, program. She's just a great technical trader in general, but also we're doing a little collaboration, I guess as they would say in music or other things like that. I think it's collab. Collab. It's a collab. (laughs) That's what the kids are calling it these days. Featuring... Lil Nas X and <laughs> Anne-Marie Band. Uh, the Anne-Marie Band is collaborating with us. But uh, at Top Step, uh, Dan, do you want to go into this a little bit about our collab? Absolutely. So first off, everyone knows we're famous for the Trading Combine. Um, and uh, so those of you that just listen to the podcast don't know what we are. The Trading Combine is a simulated trading uh, system where traders come in, they stick within our parameters, reach certain profit targets. And if they do that, the funding is guaranteed. Um I think it's a cool program. Just to go off on a tangent here, um, about four four years ago, I was on the floor, and uh, our founder, Michael Patak, calls me up and says, hey, 
see what guys think of this. I had a bunch of professional traders active in a trading combine. We were all messing around with it. And I think what's interesting about that is the fact that you really have to, to be successful in the trading combine, um, you have to treat it like a real trading account. And so Anne-Marie is going to be doing this awesome campaign with us. She's going to be professionally trading within that trading combine. Everything's going to be out there for you guys to see. She's going to keep us posted on trades that she's making and what she's looking into. So why don't we dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my thought is that I really love the opportunity to talk to folks about Top Step Trader and the Combine. And interestingly, people still don't know that there is this company that if you go in there and you tell them that you can manage risk and you prove it to them, they're going to give you money to trade. And the biggest thing that I notice working with folks is that most traders are undercapitalized. And so they take outsized risk to try to get certain uh, revenues and their accounts blow up. And so a lot of really bad habits are made. But a place like Top Step, they take you in and they say, listen, if you want to manage money like a professional, the number one thing a professional does is manage risk. They are risk managers before they are traders. And so this, I think, is the main reason that we can have longevity as a trader. Because if you can learn to manage risk, you're going to end up understanding the market well enough to make money over the long haul. But if you don't, you're going to run out of money before you learn how to trade. And so the great thing about Top Step is that they say, listen, we're going to show you how to manage risk parameters. And we're going to show you that it can be done. And you know so, who's going to really show us is Anne-Marie. She's going to be tweeting every trade, everything she's doing. So real quick, where do they find you on Twitter? Uh, Anne-Marie Trades, at Anne-Marie Trades. Yeah, and we'll post that in the podcast description. We'll be uh, tweeting it out from the Top Step account. And, you know, we're going to be pretty involved with this as well. So this is going to be super cool. And we did a very extensive trader survey this year where we got about 1,600 responses, I think. And one of the most common triggers for people looking for top step or a common experience they've had is blowing out an account. Um, it's something that's very prevalent among beginning traders because, as you said, they're not really managing risk like a professional would. Um, it's news when a professional blows out their account to a degree with other people's money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not, yeah. I think that's a great point that you made is when traders get into this, but they're, they're, they're undercapitalized, right. they're coming in at themselves. There's a huge difference in the perception or the mentality between that professional trader and someone coming in new to this. The new trader is looking at this and saying, okay, I'm a trader, time to make money. And I've been at this since I was like 16 years old. I've been around this industry since the day I was born. And if that was never that it was the mentality when I was younger of like, sweet, how much money did dad make today? But as I kind of started to learn this, I he, everything taught to me between my him and a couple of the mentors I had was that money you're making means absolutely nothing. Throw that out the window. That money will come if you're managing. If you're managing your risk. So I take my trading every day. I look at it as, okay, 
here's where I am at today. This is how I'm doing. Okay, how can I take the money I have right now, make it a little bit more without risking too much, and it just becomes money management. And I think that's that transition a lot of this world has taken. And I think once traders start to take that mentality to it, it opens you up to that opens that light, so to speak, like, oh, that's how I can start to look at this. If I forget about my profits and losses, in a sense, yes, obviously those are important, yes. but you can start to think about it a little bit differently. You know, you're absolutely right. I like to say to folks, you know, when people come into trading, like – I, I have a lot of kids. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Do you remember how many? <laughs> <laughs> One shy of double digits. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Wow. So, how do you find so, time to trade? Well, you know, they're all grown now. So that's the great thing. But back in the day, and certainly every once in a while, they say, you know, I should probably sit and do this. And then in like a year and a half when I've made $5 million, I'm going to be, you know, I just need to just, I just need a couple of weeks to look at however things are going. And then I'm just going to follow you because so here's the thing that they note that I notice traders see how much can be made and they treat the market like a slot machine. And so you've got your bucket of coins as a slot in the slot, and you just keep putting them in because you go, eventually, eventually I'm going to, exactly. And even if, you know, I got to go all the way down to the bottom of the bucket, eventually something will come back. And see, that mentality sticks with the trader when they get to their trading account. Because one, they're undercapitalized, and two, they don't know how to run a business. So I would say the same thing. Imagine you have a corner store, and you've got X amount of money, and you decide, you know what, I'm just going to buy these two products, and people are going to come in, and they're just going to buy them like wildfire, and I'm going to make all kinds of money. Only people come into the store, and they go, I don't want to buy that. I don't want to buy that. The second you own something... In the market, whether you uh, sell to open or buy to open a position, you own it. And you're going to own it at that price until somebody else decides you decides they're going to pay you either more or less for it. And trading is exactly like that. You've got to decide whether if you're buying this donut for a quarter and trying to sell it for a dollar – or you're trying to buy one contract at X and trying to sell it for X plus five, it's the same thing. It's a marketplace. And you've got to think about your trading like it's a business. It's easy to forget that these futures contracts, you know, think about the underlying assets. You know, when you're buying a thousand barrels of oil. Exactly. If you want to buy it, you better hope that someone wants to, uh, you know, take the other end of that at a better, you know, at a better price for you. I had a I had a mentor um, that I worked with. His name was John, not John Hoagland. It's a different John I used to work with, and he was telling me a story. He was an oil trader way back and way back in the day, and he was telling me a story. I, he was teaching me about um, when contracts expire and taking delivery on things, and he was teaching me a little bit about it. And I was younger, and um, he goes. Yeah, one day I forgot I had a couple open contracts of crude oil. Totally forgot about them. And my assistant came into my office and goes, hey, John, I just got a call from the oil company. They want to know where to deliver your oil. He goes, what do you mean? 
She's like, you got 20 minutes to close your position. Otherwise, you're getting a delivery of oil to your house. And uh, <laughs> so he quick jumps on the computer, calls his broker because he's got to call it in. He's got to call his broker and say, hey, apparently I've got a couple open oil contracts. Can you get rid of this? And I think when people look at it that way of that actual product or if you go way back to I think it was the 1400s yeah. in Holland, the Tulip created exactly. the whole futures product. It was around buying and selling flowers. Exactly. There was a product that came with what you were buying. When you do that, it makes it a little bit more realistic. When you said donut, that stuck <laughs> with me and because that donut's only going to be good for about a day. You have a day to get that donut sold. And if you bought it for 25 cents and you're trying to mark it up to a dollar, at what point do you say, I'm not getting the full dollar, either A, I got to sell this thing for 25 cents or B, I'm eating it myself because there's nothing I can do with exactly. it. And I think that's a great mentality to have when you're keeping it a little bit shorter time frame daily, maybe you're swinging it for a week or two. Um, you got to know when that donut is going to yeah, get too hard. That's exactly right. You've just lost everything you put in. So I think this would be a good time to explain for people who haven't listened to a previous podcast with you or seen your work, why you are the right person to talk to them about buying and selling donuts or, <laughs> or <laughs> crude oil and stuff like that. Um, There's got to be a futures contract. For, yeah. There's got to be a futures contract for donuts out there. Uh, I know there's Krispy orange Kreme juice stock. and apple juice. So, Emery, you've been trading for a couple decades now. Almost, yeah. Almost. Um, mm -hmm. You have been very focused in on it. You have yeah. made a career out of this uh, between teaching, writing, helping people out, and then managing your own account. Yes. So do we just want to briefly go over? We won't make it a full sure. bio thing of um, – how you got started in this and sort of your background a little bit so people know? Sure. So first of all, I think trading is sort of the culmination of everything that I've ever wanted to do in my entire life. It literally is my dream work. And if I got to trade until I was 100 and I was always reading the markets and being part of the exchange, it would be exciting. So the first thing is I have a real love of the markets. I have a love of the game. Now, there are people that work just to get it done so that they can go off and do whatever they want to do. Um, that's always, of course, awesome. For me, I'm in the love of my life right? The, the work love of my life. You're and into so, the long haul. You're yeah. not just trying to get out to the golf course as quickly as possible. Yeah, definitely or not golf. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I am so bad. Yeah, exactly. So um, I look at the market in a very uh, broad, I try to, to carry as much round pieces that I have. And so those are the She's physical. Huge, yes, I've got my arms. Arm I'm always right talking <laughs> with my hands. Love it. Um, but I look at the physical aspect and I look at the technical aspects and I look at the psychological aspects and it's all come together from a background in the sciences. I, I have my undergrad and graduate work in mathematics and statistics. And I got um, my first job was as a neuroscience researcher. 
And then I moved into business after a while because I wanted to always own my own business. And my whole family, everybody are business owners. And so I did that for a while and I got very burned out. And I thought, you know what? This is super taxing. I was really interfacing with people all the time. And I thought, I just want to do something different. Sold the business. And so I had choices. And I went with my husband and I saw something on technical trading in the market and I was hooked. I said, how hard could this be? <laughs> sure. Turns out really hard. Right. Right. But I, I had the love for it because it was, it was put across very logically. And of course, we know that markets are not logical and neither are we when we interface with the market. So I had a lot to learn. And so... If you're looking for someone and saying, wow, is this person a natural? That answer would have been no, because um, I had trouble changing my mind and nobody could tell me I was wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a lot of fun to be around. No. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so the market really gave me a beating for the first few years. And I was determined not to let the environment whip me into submission. So I pulled away and I said, actually, my husband said, you know, I don't think you know what you're doing here. <laughs> so I think you ought to stop until you figure it out. a big man to step up and, and say that And he is a one. big man. He's 6'5", but he's a big man anyway. So he did. And I said, you know what? You're, I don't want to hear that, but you're right. And so I stepped away and I started just observing the market. And we know that when we have a trade on and it's real money, we look at the trade totally differently than if we're watching someone else trade or it's paper and we're not connected to it. There's a visceral event that occurs to us where we become very psychologically invested with our money. We don't want to lose it. We don't want to step in the wrong place. We don't want to be wrong. And that clouds our vision. And so for me, what I came to understand is, one, you have to manage a process very well, and you have to make that press, you have to make sure that process gives you an edge. And then you have to manage that part of yourself where we're culturally taught, hey, if you make your decision, stick to it. If you don't change your mind, if you, there's all of these things that you have to do when you're out in the other world, outside of the trading world, that's almost opposite to what you have to do in here. Here, the second you see that you're wrong, you got to change your mind quickly. And you have not to be afraid of changing your mind. And out there, we are, hey, you better stick to your guns. And so that brings all kinds of conflict. And so over the years, I've been able to sort of dissect that. So it's brought the biology background and the neurology background and the psychology background into full circle with the mathematics background. And so I sit here as, you know, a war-grizzled veteran <laughs> of the markets and with a lot of great experiences because I was really horrible. I mean, I was terrible at trading and I'm proof that you can start and be very bad. And if you manage risk, you'll end up being on the plus side of the column. Yeah. Something very prescient, I thought, that I took directly from your website, thetradingbook.com today, 
um, is you had a bullet about our minds are not made to trade. They must be trained to trade. And I think that's an incredibly important thing because what you talked about, the psychological components of trading do not make sense from a human level. They go so against human nature. We are bred to protect what we have and stay away from even a small chance of a very negative outcome. And I think to be a good trader, and this is once again, I know I always bring this up, why so many professional poker players and things like that have succeeded in the industry. It has to do with objectively looking at risk in a way that is not natural. Very true. Yeah. Very, very true. Not only that, though, here's the really strange part. As humans, we're engineered to be optimistic about the world, or we would stay in bed after when the world kicks us in the teeth. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't get up and go, I'm going to try it again. Exactly. And so we've got this natural optimistic edge that says, next time, next yeah. time, next time. And so in the trading space, with broken process and poor psychological management, we'll still jump back in and we'll go, next time, next time. And we will literally whittle away our account without realizing that, wait a second, I'm overly optimistic about what I suspect is the outcome here. And what I need to do is stand back and say, wait, how good is my process? And especially, this goes back to something I heard you say a little bit ago. I think, especially us Americans, and I know many people, I know because we're on the charts in Italy, aren't Americans here. (laughs) But as Americans, we are programmed or taught or rewarded for sticking to your guns in a way that will get you crushed in the markets. It's not, you know, we we love the stories about Michael Jordan not making his freshman basketball team, but you just keep on trying. If you're long, say, a position that's going against you, there's no amount of hope. (laughs) We we want that to be the story, but right. And I think I think where we get lost is the sense of what did he have to do to turn things around? First off, you have to you have to understand the whole setting. Something that was always kind of bred within me. I was I'm of that nature. I'm the exact same way. I struggle to accept loss. College athlete, um, marine. My job was everything was you fight. I mean, you fight till death. Exactly. And you just have to keep going. And someone, I don't remember who it was, but someone said to me one day and goes, Dan, it's not about today, trade, this week or this month. It's about how long are you going to be here? And your job is to be profitable and not right. And so when I start to make this adjustment and I reckon, and I, I started to look at it in a hockey sense, every trade or each and every trading day became a shift in that game. And it's very common for me to have a couple bad shifts within a game and still have an awesome game. And so if I piece it out that way, when I start to look at it, you can have countless bad shifts. But as long as you get up, you learn from your mistakes, you keep pushing forward and recognize this is a long process. It's going to take time. We have to accept, hey, you know what? I fell down there instead of just getting up and trying again. Okay, why did I fell? Exactly. What was my matter? Oh, you know what? My skate was untied. Yes. Let me tie my skate. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah. But you have to understand, I think is the most important. We, I read a book a couple of years ago and it was talking about how a psychologist observed two traders. 
one was super successful and he did really, really well. And the second guy was an okay trader. He really struggled and he was emotional with everything that happened. And the guy that was doing well, he would take a loss and he'd wipe it off and just keep moving. The guy that took the losses, he would study for hours to understand why he took that loss. So this guy was doing well, no emotion within it. He disappeared really quickly in the world, in the trading world, because he didn't learn from the mistakes that he made it and ended up burying him because he was so confident about everything he did. The guy who was struggling in the beginning took all the lessons that he learned from every loss he took. He would spend hours studying and that guy went on to be an insanely successful trader. Um, and to me, I think that's what it's all about when you're talking about those first couple of years, when you sit that back and you learn where your struggles were, okay, this is what I was doing wrong, yeah. but I still have a passion. So why was I doing this wrong? Yeah. How do I better myself for that? Exactly. You know, the the next big thing is that a lot of us want to get out on the playing field without spending time on the practice field. Mm -hmm. And so if you look from an athletic perspective or even a musician, if you don't spend an inordinate amount of time practicing, you're never going to make the Philharmonic. And so many people want to have results in trading like they're at the Philharmonic, but they're not willing to go, wait a second, I need to paper trade this out and I need to look at where this entry went well, where I could have gotten better, where it is that I decided to go out, where it is that I should have gone out and do it over and over again because they feel like there is no physical reward because they want to see their portfolio balance shift immediately because they're engaging. A lot of a lot of us that trade are adrenaline junkies, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're significant adrenaline junkies. And what we have to realize is that it's okay to be an adrenaline junkie, but it's sort of like, okay, I'm terrible on skates, and so I can't even imagine how badly it would be if I strapped on some skates and decided I would get out in a rink with you right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you would spend circles around me, even if I sat out there and played several games with you over and over again, you're like, no, no, no. See, I've got, I got 20 years of experience on you right here. I've mm -hmm. had these on since I was five. So actually two that, okay. So there you go. <laughs> and so the hardest thing to get, and I have to say, it's a lot of men. No, of just, it is yeah, what yeah, it we is. All, we, no we know taken. this one. We <laughs> accept it. They don't want to practice. They just want to play. And so I try to get them to imagine if they were out on a court in, you know, with an NBA team or with anything like that. When they're sitting with professionals, they want professional results, but they're behaving like amateurs in the game. It's, it's one of my favorite things to talk to traders about is recognizing as soon as they enter the market, they are exactly that. They are stepping on the field or stepping on the court with professionals. You look at the NFL, you look at – take football. There are millions of kids that grow up playing football that don't make it to college, exactly. that don't make it to the NFL. If you haven't been at this for 
put your time in, put that practice in, in trading, the second you step into those markets, you're stepping in with the NFL players. And if you don't know how to compete with them to utilize your strengths to do well. You're going to get your clock cleaned. You're getting flattened. And Emery, you're a proponent, and I think this ties into it as well, of simplifying things, especially at first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, the biggest things that – this was my problem. When I first started trading, I had so many indicators on my chart that you could barely see the candles. <laughs> yeah. Right? Wait, which one is the market and which one is the so, average? Which I, one's... Right? And it's a proven fact that the more choices we have to make in a serial manner, like A and then B and then C and then D, our brain loses track after about three. We just don't. I mean, there's some of us that are like really smart, but for most of us Joes, we're just like, okay, I know I'm supposed to look at this, 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 and this. And we say, well, I'm a technical trader. Well, why did you take this trade? Well, it just looked like it was going to go. That is not technical trading. I have to ask myself why three times. I have the why three times to remind myself, okay, why am I taking this? If I say, well, it looks good. Okay, you just failed number one. We can't take this trade. Right. You know, my thing is, okay, why does it look good? Tell me why. What specifically are you seeing here? Well, it looks like it's going to roll over here. (laughs) Do you see everybody standing up there waiting to kick it down? Right. No, you don't. You can't see them. Until you see them, you don't know they're there. And even if you see them, you don't know how many of them are there. So best not to do that. And and that is really, for me, what is going to be great when we work on this and we, we go through the combine together, you're going to see two things. You're going to see a moving average and you're going to see support and resistance. Which moving average are we going to be looking at? Okay, so... I'm going to use a triangular moving average for us. Could you dive in a little bit on that for everyone? Okay. So what a triangular moving average does is take three different averages and then add them together, divide them by three, and build a line. So what that actually does is smoothen out all the ripples that you might see. And so some of us... We we look at moving averages and we're so into it, we think, oh, there's a little bend. It's rolling over, right? And, you know. We're way too micro at yes, that point. Step back. You, they're not. Technical indicators are not that good for you to do that with them. Yeah, you can overfit them. Exactly. A thousand percent. And something that you do that I love that I do is I know you're a four-hour chart person. Yes, love the four-hour. Helps so much to avoid those little wrinkles in a line coming across the chart. Yes. It keeps everything a little bit – I think it's cleaner. It keeps that picture clearer for me to know, okay, I can look lower time frame, but this is my reference point. This is what I have to go back to to understand what I'm looking at. And see, the reason for that is – Something very straightforward. You get to see where a large chunk of trading has occurred between a certain amount in a price range. And so if you move above it, guess what? The longer you stay above it, the more likely it is it's going to stay up there. If you move below that close, 
you know that the guys who closed it there don't have as much strength as they did. So you're going to see the edge of that. And it really becomes something very straightforward in terms of saying, wait, where have they been? If you step on a stair and that stair begins to crumble, let's say you're walking up a really old stadium. You have no idea what the stairs are like. And you get to the top and you start to put your weight on it and it begins to crumble. What are you going to do besides step back to the one that was sturdy? That's what traders are going to do when price doesn't hold them. And it's just as straightforward as that. So if you say, oh, it's going to break out, and all of a sudden it begins to fade, your thought must be, wait, what if that's not a really solid stair? And if it's not a solid stair, where was the last solid stair everybody stood on? That's your support. It is as simple as that. So you either chase, and for me, I'm not a chaser. And so a lot of times when things get really aggressive and they start moving up, I'll have to watch it. Until it comes back and gives me something that that. I like. You have to wait. It's so hard. I'm the same. I want to chase so often. And I just, I've taught myself how not to do it. Well, you know, the market's taught me that with a big punch to the face. (laughs) Yes. They hurt. Yeah. They hurt. You made a great point, though. Well, a lot of times what I see with traders is they'll see the market get to that weak step. And they're thinking, okay, we just marked a new high looking on my 10-minute chart here. And we marked a new high. Here comes the breakout. Let's buy this thing up really quick. It falls out of bed. Yeah. And they get out as soon as it finds that next step and then takes right back off on them. And it's a common thing I see. And that's why I think for me, and I think you and I look at the same thing here, that market's starting to go. All right. It's going in the upward direction. Great. I got to wait for it to show a little bit of weakness. Show me that weakness because I can get in really cheap yes, and I can take that next run. Yeah. And that's, that makes, yeah. makes it a looking, makes that trade you're taking a little bit easier. Yeah. And you know what? You're going to miss some. It's going to exactly. happen. We're going to get faked out exactly. all the time. You exactly. can't relish on that. You have to focus on where that next yeah. opportunity is going to be. You know, once in a while when I have women that uh, work with me, I will give them the analogy of, hey, listen, let's say there's a dress you've been looking at, but you... Say to yourself, I'm not going to pay full price for that. As a trader, you need to be a bargain hunter. You either need to sell when it's really high in the area that you believe that, hey, it's not going to go any further, or you buy when it's low. And so if you approach the market as you're not, you're going to go to the car dealership and you're going to go, yeah, I know that that's uh, what sticker is, but. I'm thinking you can do something else for me, right? And so do something else for me is the same as how about going to see where that candlestick support looks like. And if you're looking for the dress and you go, hey, listen, I don't want to pay 450 for that dress. I'm going to see how it comes back. Sometimes you go there and the dress is sale gone. coming out. <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> and as a trader, you know, to further that analogy, you're completely flexible the thing that immediately came to my mind when you were saying dresses was flights because now with Google flights and things like exactly. that, people, you know, my wife and I will be looking to go somewhere. We, once we've decided, we kind of have to go there. So I'll be like, let's wait, see if it comes down. But the second it goes a little bit up, 
buy it. <laughs> it chases. And there's probably some algorithm there that's there uh, making me do I that. I did want to tell you that. Clear your yeah. cookies and look at your cookies. computers. You clear your cash because if you book, if you search for a flight, they'll know that if you come back and look at the flight again and it's a little bit higher, then you will buy it. So clear Absolutely. cash or go, uh, you know. Call them on the phone. Whatever they Cold have. school. What is that incognito? Incognito right. mode. Yeah, and I think to extend it. Is so there's your tip of the day. That's tip of the how day. you book your flights. <laughs> this is the uh, travel agency <laughs> podcast. Anyway, uh, what I was going to say is that in that case, you have something you need to buy. I mean, right. you don't have to, but we'll say functionally you do. When you're trading, you never have to buy anything. Exactly. There's nowhere you have to be. Yeah. If something goes away from you, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't yep. the right price. You'll get the next one. Right. That's Sometimes exactly the right. biggest opportunity we have in a given trading day is not doing not anything. Exactly. That's hard. It, it's, it's really difficult. And those are the days Especially you really got to Especially if you trade keep, to eat. Right? Yeah. Well, and that I think that's a point too. You can't trade out of necessity. If you're doing this out of I need, I need to make $1,700 by Thursday because my mortgage is due on Friday – you're you're not I hate to say it, you're just not gonna you're gonna struggle because money is all that matters at that point. And so that's why I always stress to people, make sure you're in a comfortable place. When I talk to someone that's you know financially struggling and needs to start making some money, yeah, I say you probably should focus on something different right now. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't have to do this anymore, but focus somewhere else that's gonna help you kind of meet those financial needs so that this becomes an added bonus. And this will help grow over time because you cannot trade out of necessity. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as a as a trader that really does trade to eat, you have the things that have to get paid for, but it's sort of like, you know, in the baseball space, if you think about, you know, a guy like Chris Davis, I'm a huge baseball fan. Nice. And so most common analogy to trading, singles, doubles, triples and home exactly, runs. Exactly. Exactly. And the great thing is, you know, you could stand at the plate all day and just wait for your pitch. That's the great part. But a guy like Chris Davis who gets this huge contract and then steps up to the plate and that monkey sits on his back every single day, you are absolutely right. What you do have to do is separate the process from the outcome. Absolutely. And so it becomes more of a state of can I follow my process and the money will follow. If you do think about, oh my gosh, I got to make my car payment or I've got to pay for X or I've got to pay for Y, it is going to interfere with the process. But you can have that. You just have to separate it. Absolutely. Right? You have to have that divide. That's exactly right. I always use my, my joke as cable bills. I hate it. And that helps me manage my risk. And every trade that if it starts to go against me, I go, okay, there's two cable bills against. I'm not liking it. It just helps me control myself. Right. And I'm not and, – and on the plus side, if I'm up money, I'm not looking – oh, I just made a cable bill. Good. Lock it out. I'm taking that money. I'm running. I'm going to go yeah, pay my cable exactly. bill. It kind of yeah. creates that divide for me, helps me recognize my losses. Yeah. And over time, it, for me, that has right. become just my little gauge, yeah, you, cable bills. You do. You have to separate 
the process from what you're being compensated for. I mean, that's, I mean, and that's really, really hard. I mean, ask any, any athlete who's been paid a boatload and then came up lemons after. I don't think athletes should ever be paid like, like that. Like most Chicago Bears? <laughs> <laughs> well, who was the guy? It was, uh, was it Bobby uh, Bonilla on the Mets who had that contract that was, he retired in, I think, the uh, mid-90s and he was still getting paid a million dollars a year oh, in like gosh. 2015 or <laughs> something like that because he signed a contract this. that, yes, they were pushing out their salary cap. Yeah. Well, that's what they did with Chris Davis, but it was still so big. Yeah, there's very few huge sports contracts, especially in baseball, that pan out towards the I end. You think about Albert Pujols. Yes, or exactly. Things like that. I yeah. certainly wouldn't. You're not going to find a firm out there that will pay a trader like that up front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here, take all your money first. Now you can go trade for us. Yeah. Hopefully you do well. Yeah. Absolutely. So – as we mentioned before, as we're getting to the end of this, and Anne-Marie, I think like after this, we would love to have you back sometime. We could talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. But um, this will be coming out a week from Thursday. Today is Wednesday, correct? Correct. So the a week from Thursday. 19th. So you, you'll already be starting this. Right. Um, the collabo, as we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. And um, I think that people really should pay attention to this. It's um, – I understand there's a lot of trading rooms and whatever else out there, uh, but I think seeing how you think about things will be super interesting. And I think what will be great about it is this is of the mentality of teach a man to fish versus giving exactly. them the fish. Exactly. And and that's what's going to be great. I Anyone that starts – whenever all of you, all of you listeners follow this, every little tweet, you retweet them and you hit the like button um, when you do that type of stuff – Look at what she's putting in these tweets. Take a look. Try to understand. See if it works for your system. See if there's a way that you can pull that in, that knowledge that she's sharing with you. See how you can apply that to yourself. Don't follow everything because you don't know what you're looking at sometimes. If someone says buy here and sell here, risk appetite sure. is different for Important everyone. Important caveat is uh, we always try and separate ourselves. We are not three people yelling at you in a YouTube pre-scroll video <laughs> about, you know, standing in front of a Maserati Sextarosa or whatever, t- <laughs> telling you that you're going to make a $10 million doing this. No, I think this will be a good exercise to learn the thought process of somebody who's had a successful career trading and has a real passion for helping traders out. My secondary goal, really, yes, that's my first one, but my secondary goal is really to say, listen, here's a company that's going to teach you how to manage risk. Here's how you manage risk. Why don't you look at having a company with all of its support structures like Top Step Trader and plug into something where you understand, okay, here's how I don't blow out an account. See, that's that's my goal for the trader. For the trader that goes, oh, you know, you just blow out your account. Well, you blow it out because you don't know how to manage risk. And if somebody says to you, hey, I'm going to give you money to trade, you better be sure they're going to have parameters around it. Mm -hmm. So how about learning those parameters and then taking what I suspect is one of the greatest opportunities for a trader saying, hey, I want to learn, I want to have support, and I want to get funded so that I can start a living 
doing this and be in complete control of what I do from day to day. It's a beautiful thing. Control your destiny. Absolutely. There you go. Control that destiny. Well, as I said, Anne-Marie, we'd love to have you back sometime down the road to talk about how this went or just talk about anything. You obviously have so much more we could be talking about as far as trading experience. But uh, if people want to find you or learn more about uh, your program, um, where should they go? TheTradingBook.com? That's right. Or you can find me on Twitter or StockTwits at uh, Anne Marie Trades. Awesome. Well, yeah. Anne Marie, thanks so much again. My pleasure. Lovely to have you. This was a blast. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, traders. See you I'll soon. see you after the break, which is going to be right about now. All righty, everyone. Thank you for listening to the entirety of the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader, or at least if you listen for the next 45 seconds to a minute, you will have made it through the entirety, but we'll give you credit for this. <laughs> um, just want to say thanks again to Anne-Marie for stopping by and for what she's doing with us. Absolutely. We'll be... Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. That was such a blast. Yeah, we'll be sharing our work with her on Twitter, and she's going to be doing some blogs and stuff, so just keep your... Eyes open. What is eyes open a phrase like that? Or is it keep Yeah, your... it's actually Marine Corps Marine oh. Corps term. So it's ears open, eyeballs click. So when a drill instructor says ears, you say open, sir. Eyeballs. Click, sir. Click. So ears open, eyeballs click. Is that like the sound of a camera? Like click? No, you go, click, sir. Oh, okay. So uh keep your ears open and your eyes click. I hope you're all responding in your car. And uh, in the meantime, it's Thursday, so have a great weekend. Uh, check out our blog, join our Facebook group, rate and subscribe this podcast where your podcasts are consumed or downloaded. I am out of breath. <laughs> that sinus infection. <sighs> yeah, I'm just breathing through my mouth, which is hard when you're talking. Anyway, have a wonderful weekend. Namaste and trade well. This episode produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk. It is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.